Today's episode is the last in the series of interviews in English with each Enneatype. It has been so enlightening to listen to each of these special guests open their hearts and share personal stories and experiences that allow you, the listener, to understand more the intricacies of each type. I am thrilled to wrap up this series with Type 8, Tori Maurer. Her husband, Justin, a Type 5, was my guest last week. Together, they founded the Instagram account, Social Enneagram. I hope you listen through to the end of this episode. Tori does an amazing job of presenting the power and intensity of an 8 while showing the vulnerability of her heart. The Type 8 is our true challenger. They are assertive, protective, and decisive. If you know a Type 8 or have ever met one, you would be impressed and possibly intimidated by their self-confidence. Because of their need to be self-reliant and invincible, they can tend to be confrontational and sometimes have trouble controlling their temper. At their best, they are resourceful, passionate, and courageous. Listen as we break down some of the key aspects of the Enneagram as they pertain to the Type 8. You will learn so much as you listen to Tori share about the strengths and the struggles of the Challenger. Thank you so much for being with me today on the podcast. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Me too. I was um, glad to also be able to meet Justin for our Type 5 episode. So I heard a little bit about you and your family. Uh-huh. But before we dig into the Enneagram more, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and anything else you'd like to add about your family? Yeah, um, it's probably good that you talk to Justin first. I think um, he's the better of the two of us. Um, <laughs> But I um, work for a church. I work for um, a pretty predominant ministry here in Charlotte, North Carolina mm-hmm. um, within our youth department. So I am one of our youth directors. I work with teenagers, um, making sure that they have a place that feels safe and um, just feels like it's for them. Um, I'm really passionate about what I do, about uh, the church that I work for, about the people that I get to do life with. And um, as you'll find out as an eight, the things that I'm passionate about, I'm really passionate about. So <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, my friendships, my community, um, all of that is something that um, I take really seriously. And then I think too, because of the opportunity that I've had to learn um, about myself through the Enneagram, it's helped me put language to things that I didn't quite have language for before. So uh, the Enneagram is something that my husband and I have both become really passionate about. Um, We have a really beautiful, sweet, happy little six-month-old son um, who I have been typing in since he was in my womb, (laughs) uh, which I we're not supposed to do, but can't. I mean, we'll let him figure it out, Justin, to the other day. Like, like, he was like, it's my goal for us to, like, never bring up the Enneagram to him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, but uh, it'll be helpful for me to know how to parent him well if we can figure out what it is. Exactly. Um, So how do you type a baby in the womb? Like, this kick feels kind of like a... (laughs) I just, he's very energetic. Um, He's very happy. He does not like to be bored. Um, He moves a lot. So he's, um, you know, there's a few numbers that I think that that (laughs) at least gives me a good starting block from. Right, right. Well, that's good. I I will say um, with my three kids and getting up there in age, um, it's so helpful to have the Enneagram as a tool, especially as they get older, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, My youngest is nine and he's, I mean, he's still so young, but I think I had my other two figured out before that age, 
but mm-hmm. my last is just, I cannot nail it, but it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that's fun. I'm glad that you guys are living that phase, being new parents. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful time. It mm-hmm. goes so fast. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the inner or in the intro of the episode, I talked a little bit about a type eight, but I'd love for you to share with us in your words, how you describe the type eight. Um, Justin and I do a teaching and I'm trying to think we have boiled it down to three words and I was very, um, adamant about which three words. Uh I'm pretty sure it was, um, passionate, direct, and confrontational, I think. Uh Um, in another slide that we, another slide, like teaching that we have, I'm pretty sure it's as powerful. He was like, all right, you're getting a little ahead of yourself here. Um, so I would say, you know, like eights are, um, I think by and large, very, um, prone to extremes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't really do lukewarm. I do really hot. I do really cold. I really don't Mm -hmm. do much in the middle. Yeah. Um, I am loud. I, you know, I think eights, you can sense an eight. That's what a lot of people say. You sense an eight when they walk into the room. I think a lot of that has to do with the, um, like presence of an eight. It's often nonverbal. Um, though I will say my whole life, I have been told like, you're being too loud. (laughs) Um, I think any like two statement you could apply to an eight. So like you're being too much, you're being too loud, you're being too this, um, or excessive, I think in nature. Right. Um, and I think that that's unintentional. I don't think that I oftentimes realize that I am speaking at a level seven. I think that I'm speaking at a level three and Justin tells me like, Hey, you need to come down a little bit. (laughs) Um, I think too, it's important to note that, um, I feel like I have a very strong sense of morality when it comes to the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the underdogs, um, specifically right now with what's going on in America um, after the death of George Floyd. I think this week it has been um, very telling of the people in my life who are also eights um, and the way that they've responded. I think that... um, Eights are the type of number that their bark is and their bite are just as impactful. Mm-hmm. I think that, that phrase, um, their bark is worse than their bite. I think eights kind of, the bark and the bite are both pretty bad. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that this week has been something pretty eye-opening for me just to see um, the way that other people respond to injustice. Yeah. What feels natural to an eight doesn't necessarily feel natural to the rest of the world. Right. Um, and so I'm propelled by relationships where I feel like I can care for, nurture, develop, um, build into someone. And I think that that's that like, uh, I unintentionally seek out the underdog yeah. and find a way to care for them, help them, um, develop a voice for themselves. And uh, I don't always do that well. I don't always do it right either. Um, But my, my motive is always to be helpful in that regard. And I think that that's something that's pretty indicative of an eight as well. Right. No, that's good. I mean, I know you as an eight, you're very impelled by social justice and then combine that with being in the instinctive triad. It's, I mean, eights are powerhouses for sure. No Mm -hmm. doubt about it. 
Um, and when that power is used for good, it's an unstoppable force and it's a good thing. We need, we need that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we need that bark and that bite when it's directed in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So let's start by talking about motivations, which a lot of what you said kind of comes down to that, but just Mm -hmm. for people that are listening and learning for the first time, we, you and I know that um, the Enneagram comes down to motivations is the most important thing. It's not so much about the outward uh, behavior, although most types have some very certain outward behavior and outward things Mm -hmm. that are typical of their type. Um, But what it really, what really matters the most is the motivation. And so for Mm -hmm. a type eight, uh, a lot of what you mentioned, you guys are very self-reliant. You want to have your impact on the world. Um, You want to maintain that control. You want to be invincible in some way or another. Um, Mm -hmm. How would you say, or what else would you add to that? And how would you say that that plays out in your life? Um, I think that what I've realized over the past probably year, um, I've known about the Enneagram, been studying the Enneagram for close to five, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, a lot of what you said lends to eights being self-forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've realized a lot more recently that I, um, in very different ways than other numbers that are self-forgetting, I truly forget, like I will when I'm so... Um, like overwhelmed with things that I have to get done, I truly forget to eat. Like I will get home at eight o'clock at night and I'll realize, oh, I didn't have anything to eat today because I was so um, just entranced by what I was doing. Right. And um, I think that a lot of that has to do with that pursuit of um, doing. I, I really feel like um, just as inherent as it is for an eight to desire um, power or control, I think that I do not do well when I'm bored. Um, and I go on vacation and I check my email and I um, can't sit still for very long. Um, even when doing something that's like deemed to be relaxing, I'm still doing something. I'm getting my nails done. I'm getting a I'm like, I am reading a book and I don't like read a book over three days. I read a book in like two hours. Like right. that's how <laughs> like I am always going. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, it helped me realize truly what Justin and I will say is uh, when you read about the number that um, you like the least, it's probably the one that you are. You're like, I wouldn't want to be that number. Right. Um, that's kind of how I figured it out. I'm, I was raised by a three, a father who's a three, who's a very strong three. Okay. Um, and I have a lot of three tendencies because of that. I mistyped as a three for a long time. Okay. And it wasn't actually until I heard a conversation very similar to this one um, where someone was interviewing an eight and it was actually a black male pastor. And when I listened to that, I thought, oh, I feel understood. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, what's so incredible about the Enneagram is that no matter what your race or your creed or, um, your gender is, you can feel understood by someone because of the way that you're built and what you're motivated by. Um, and really for me, when I boiled it down to, this idea of people perceiving me as not capable or in control of getting something done mm-hmm. um, or not feeling like I can handle something that yeah. really for me was the thing that made me know, okay, yeah, I'm an eight um, more than I'm a three mm-hmm. in the sense of the fact that like, I don't think that anyone likes to fail, okay. but I really truly struggle with um, if I get emotional in a 
like professional conversation mm. or if I, um, gosh, if Justin tells me to calm down in the middle of an argument, uh, <laughs> things that like, I'm like, I, I am calm. Like you would know if I was not calm. Right. Or, um, a conversation that we frequently have is, um, I am both ashamed and unashamed to admit that I am a shouter in my marriage. <laughs> and I say both because I don't really know any other way, but I don't really love that that's my bend. Right. Um, and Justin will tell me to stop yelling at him. And truly we've had conversations where I say, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling. Like I feel so much anger. Um, I've described it like feeling it in my like chest that yeah. the only thing that I know how to do with it is try and get it out. Yeah. And so I think that, um, what's been really helpful for me is that it's motivation based because I think that, um, behavior can be seasonal. It can be, um, subjective mm -hmm. that like I could act one way in one season. And that's what you learn about the Enneagram is that when you're stressed or when you're healthy, your yeah. behavior can look different. Right. Um, but I think that really feeling understood in a way that, um, no other personality typing system had offered me before the Enneagram, yeah. um, and feeling like there was, um, something that I could do about it. You know, yeah. I think so many other times I had felt like stuck. I was like, okay, well, I guess this is who I am. Yeah. Sucks. You yeah. know, like people, yeah. some of these qualities aren't great, but like, <laughs> that's the way that I'm made, exactly. you know, I guess I'll just always be that way. But the Enneagram being approachable and helping me identify my motivation and then know how to um, use that for good instead of allowing it to be a liability. Right. No, that's really good. I, I, I love that too, how the Enneagram takes into account that we are not static beings, that there's a fluidity to who mm -hmm. we are and there's seasons there. I mean, it, not even seasons. I love how um, even with just the disintegration and integration, that whole concept when people understand that it can be a minute to minute, it can be an hour to hour. It's not just mm -hmm. a seasonal thing, but it's, Enneagram takes that into consideration and it shows us more of a whole person of who mm -hmm. we really are in every aspect. So I think that's great. Um, before we get into some of the other questions I sent you, you also mentioned something that I think is good to, to point out. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I actually relate to it. I'm a one. And so we're in the same triad or the same mm -hmm. center of intelligence. And so it's funny you mentioned that because I think this is a... Um, center of intelligence concept that mm -hmm. my husband and I have this same argument a lot mm. that, or not argument. We're in a situation or a discussion and he will tell uh -huh. me, stop yelling. Don't be mad. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think it's that, that we just move by instincts. We have that underlying anger thing that we have to figure out how to mm -hmm. work with. And I, and it's that constant, but I'm not mad at you I'm just uh -huh. passionate about this I've just got exactly. this out <laughs> exactly yeah so I think that's important for um especially with the eight and the one the nine shows their anger in a different way but I think it's important mm -hmm. for others um to understand that even with my daughter who's now 16 and mm -hmm. so can't, you can't get much past the 16 year old anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> and so just being able to be transparent with her you know and she'll say that too like don't get mad about it and so mm -hmm. I have to sometimes like think, okay, am I mad or am I just at that like passionate yeah. level where no yeah. one understands uh -huh. what I'm trying to communicate? So, but I think that's important both ways. I've learned that it's important for me to kind of 
be able to moderate that and make sure I'm not mad and directing it at someone, but for others mm-hmm. to understand that when I'm with those that are closest, especially as a one, I don't do it too much with others, but I get pretty passionate and mm-hmm. I feel like I just need to let it out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it comes across, totally. as, yeah, it comes across as anger. And I know with AIDS, it can come across very intimidating sometimes. Yes. So it's good for people to, to know that and try mm-hmm. to understand that. So thanks for sharing that. So um, we're going to get into some of the more basic um, yeah. concepts of the Enneagram. One of those is wings. Mm-hmm. And so I always just kind of explain for people that are listening for the first time. So wings are, um, if you've heard of them, they're the two numbers that are besides your main Enneatype. So in Tori's case, she could have a, a wing seven or she could have a wing nine. Mm-hmm. And so some people have a very dominant wing. Other people seem to use both at different mm-hmm. times. Some people are very dominant in their type and don't feel that they lean towards one wing or another. Um, in your case, how do you think that that looks for you? It's funny because um, when I first learned about the Enneagram, I was certain that I had a seven wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the type of friend that when you had had a bad day, I would literally drop everything, convince you to skip whatever it is that you have responsibility wise and drive us to the beach. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then when I got married and Justin and I started learning about the Enneagram, I had probably known about the Enneagram for two years. Mm-hmm. And we were in the car one day. I remember exactly where we were. And he said, I think that your wings might be more balanced than you think. And I was like, mm-hmm. no. I had literally said to him, like, I feel really bad for eights with a nine wing because, like, that's <laughs> got to be really hard, right? <laughs> and what I realized was, like, oh, my gosh, the things that I had been avoiding. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, the uncomfortable things that I had been avoiding. I realized that um, the nine side was much more present in me. But when you sent me um, our questions and I was looking at the differences between the two, I was like, I'm really both of these. Like I am, I see a lot of the like fiery side of a seven wing in me. Um, But also I will frustrate Justin because the first thing that I do when he brings me a conversation is say, well, not to play devil's advocate, but <laughs> and really I'm like trying to give him that other side of the pers- like other side of the story yeah. Yeah. and wondering like, well, we don't really know for certain is some more of that like peacemaker side, dualistic side. Yeah. And so I really do think that um, as I'm nearing 30, um, that I really find that my wings might be more balanced than I was aware of. Yeah. Um, and based off of the situation or, um, what I feel like is necessary, I feel like I can operate in either. Um, probably I would say like 60, 40 split nine wing. Um, my really good friend is a nine with an eight wing. And we talk about how we like mirror each other often. And I do see more of that like um, politician side, I think of the nine in me. Mm -hmm. And part of that might be just a side effect of working in ministry where I really do feel like um, being an eight wing seven doesn't serve me as well as being an eight wing nine right? Um, in my profession and what's asked of me. And yeah. so I think that part of that might be more like behavior that I picked up on mm-hmm. than, um, than anything. But yeah. I would say that I see some of that fiery seven in me, but I also see some of that like um, very dualistic gray. I can be gray in the nine side of things. Yeah. I can see the 
conversation going political and I'm just not in the mood. And so right. I'm just, I don't, I don't engage. And right. that's very not like an eight. And that's very not like an eight with a seven wing to just be like, no, I just don't want to. Yeah. Um, but that, that'll happen too. Right. No, that's good. And I think too, like I've learned in, in my lifetime, well, I've known the Enneagram for about seven years, but reflecting back on my life, I've definitely leaned heavier to a, a two wing. I think a lot of it is I've maybe even subconsciously started to show more signs of a nine wing, but I also try to intentionally pull from that because I know yeah. there are resources there that can do me some good. Mm -hmm. um, I need to be able to relax and just mm -hmm. let go sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think too, just seasons of life and bring out more of one wing than the other. But yeah, that's mm -hmm. a good way to, to put it. I'm, I think that that, that'll help people understand because I get questions all the time. I just want to know my, what my wing is. And I don't think it's so clear all the yeah. time. I yeah. think people need to understand. And I've mentioned several times, I have a friend, um, when I, I, also, I do most of my work actually in Spanish and I was interviewing four sixes and he just okay. made the comment. Um, we were talking about wings and he said, you know, a bird needs two wings to fly. And I thought that was so great because it's true, yeah. you know? And so yeah. if we can pull from both sides, mm -hmm. um, I think it, can even help in our area of health. So that's yeah. good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, health when we're mm -hmm. growing, when we're doing well, when we're under stress. And the technical language for that is integration and disintegration. Mm -hmm. So for a type eight, your lines go to a five and to a two. Mm -hmm. um, and when you are growing, when you're integrating, you go to a two. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of eights and I love when you guys are really healthy because yeah. you're some of the most affectionate, caring uh, people that I know. I mean, you just got, you have people's back like nobody yeah. else. And mm -hmm. um, I think that that's wonderful. You, you begin to open up, but an eight will tend to be vulnerable, but you kind of open up and start revealing that, mm -hmm. that sentimental and emotional side uh, mm -hmm. for others good. So can you give us some examples of when you feel like you're living in that place? Yeah, I think that um, it's very easy for me to see it when it comes to um, my, like, some of my closer girlfriends um, and really my um, now being a mom. Yeah. I think being a mom has definitely opened up more of that, like, nurturing side of me where I really do feel, I think that there's a fierceness to it. I don't think that that goes away. Um, it's still very like, these are my people and like, mm -hmm. you better be careful when you mess with my people. Right. Um, but also there really is this willingness to, um, do what, do whatever it takes on behalf of the people that I love. Right. Um, and Justin and I just celebrated four years of being married and we were having a conversation the other night and I said, what's one of the, what's one of your favorite things that you've learned about me that you didn't really know, um, about me when we got together? Yeah. And he mentioned that specific thing. He said, you love people in a way that I've never seen before. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that eights have this tendency to get this like bad reputation for not being caring, right. um, because I can't love people that deeply in a multitude of ways. Right. It's just not possible. And so I think that that's where for innate, it really is probably an inch wide, but a mile deep when it comes to the care and the relationships that they have. Yeah. Um, and to the point where um, I've had friends who have um, left our organization 
people don't gossip about my friends around me. They just know better. Yeah. Um, and people know that they can text me at any hour and I'll be there. And it means a lot to me, um, to say things like, I love you to someone because I don't think that it's meant to be used lightly because what I say matters to me. Right. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, I, um, I have a tendency to, um, kind of, this sounds crass when I say it at first, but like, I feel like a lot of my like closest friendships have started from this place of like me seeing someone as broken and like trying to help them. Um, one of my, my friends that I had referenced earlier, the way that we became close was she was dating. She was like lightly dating somebody And she was like, I don't know what to do about this. Like, I don't really know how I'm feeling. And I literally pulled her into a room and I sat her down and I said, you don't like him. And you (laughs) you don't like him. And we like had maybe had coffee together twice at this point. And I'm like, you know that you don't like him and you're scared that you're going to hurt his feelings and it feels more comfortable right now. But like, do you want to end up with somebody that just like is fine? Or do you want to end up with somebody that like, sets your world on fire or whatever, like adjective you want to use. And, um, I think that that was the thing that like solidified for her. Like, I'm not scared to say something hard if it's going to help my friends. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, not many people know how to do. And I've messed it up. I've definitely messed it up. Like, um, (laughs) same friend she's a nine so like I think that we just have this like very symbiotic relationship um and one day she wasn't feeling good and we have vending machines around our office and I was like have you eaten today she was like no I was like your blood sugar is low like I'm gonna go get you some gummies out of the vending machine she's like I don't want gummies like I'm fine and I was like you have a headache you feel nauseous you have low blood sugar I'm gonna go get you gummies and she said really Tori I don't want the gummies well of course I bought her the gummies and I brought them to work and I didn't really realize how pushy I was being in that moment. Mm-hmm. And she helped me realize that, but also she said the gummies helped and she right. felt better. And so I think <laughs> that, um, that for me is like one of those like small ways that, um, I'm not, I'm willing to be inconvenienced for the people that I love. Right. And I think that that's when I see myself operating the most in that two space of, I don't care if it takes time or money or effort and I don't have time or money or effort to give, I'll find a way. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what twos embody so well is being so, um, selfless in the way that they care for people. Yeah. And I think that that's the side of an eight when I am in a healthier place that I can tap into that, that um, makes me really proud to be an eight. Yeah. That's really good. So, um, on the other side of, this integration, this integration, when you're under stress, the eight mm-hmm. goes to a five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might've talked to Justin about this, but I love when I talk to couples that share a line, maybe we can yep. talk a little bit about that too. But so what happens when an eight goes to a five, they become a little secretive. They can be less in touch with their feelings than the normal withdraw mm-hmm. from others. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us some examples of that? Yes, I have quite a few. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite is that I, um, I when I feel stressed, 
I will spend a lot of time researching and very little time acting. Mm -hmm. So, which is, like I said, I like to do stuff all the time, not like me, but I feel like I'm doing something because I'm researching. Right. We went to Europe about a year ago and um, we had gone two years prior to that. I brought terrible shoes um, and I, my feet hurt all the, t- the whole time we were in Paris. We were going to Rome and we were going to Amsterdam. I was pregnant. I was like barely pregnant. So I already didn't feel very good. And so I'm like, great. I am going to find a great pair of comfortable white tennis shoes that won't break the bank, but like <laughs> all of my pictures, but like my feet aren't going to hurt. I probably spent upwards of five hours trying to find a pair of tennis shoes. Right. Not only did I do it with tennis shoes, but I did it with carry-on luggage. We don't have great luggage. And so I was like, I am going to find the away suitcase without the away suitcase price tag. <laughs> I ended up buying neither of them. Mm. We ended up borrowing suitcases. And we ended up, I ended up getting a pair of shoes from my sister that were Converse with insoles that were terrible. My feet still hurt the whole time. And that to me was like such an example of, I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know, like work was very busy. I was six weeks pregnant. I had no time to pack. Um, And instead of just doing the thing that would make me feel better, it was just easier for me in that moment to just like, blame it on research or to like, um, get very like, and Justin will tell me like last night it happened. I had had a really long day at work yesterday, found out I'm picking up workload that I didn't plan on picking up on. And all I wanted to do was come home and watch the show that we had started and like not work, but I needed to work. And Justin said, you need to get some work done. And I was like, I'm like, trust me. I know myself better. Like verbatim, I said this to him. (laughs) you think that I know myself better than you do I know when I need to get work done and I'm fine I can't do it I need a break so I'm sitting there and part of my job is social media so I'm posting something on social media he literally brings my computer to me and he says work and when you're done we can watch the show (laughs) And I ended up working for probably two and a half hours and he was totally right, but I was being very stubborn. I was being very like, I wasn't being honest with him about how much work I truly had to get done because I felt like if I had told him, there was no way around the fact that I needed to work. So I was being secretive in that like, no, I know myself better. I'm not really going to tell you what I got to do because if I tell you, then you're going to make me do it. Um, And he was right. And that was him tapping into his healthy eight space where he was telling me what I needed to hear. But nine out of 10 times, it doesn't work out so well for him because (laughs) I'm like, but I'm the loud bossy one. Like That's not your space to fill. And that makes more, um, we're very adamant about not speaking about which pairing is best for a number. We believe that relationships take work. Um, But I will say that to be a female eight married to a male five is difficult mm-hmm. um, because his health feels triggering for me mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways where I feel that we have predetermined that I am the alpha in our relationship <laughs> and you are stepping into my alpha space. And if I am in any season, but a healthy one or any moment, but a healthy one, he can receive a lot of flack for that. 
Right. And it's often very instinctual. It's guttural. I don't realize that I'm doing it. And then it does not encourage him to step up to lead in areas that I want him to, because as an eight, I think a common misconception is we just want to be in charge. No, I'm, I don't need to be in charge as long as I'm led well. Right. Um, And it does not give him the opportunity to learn how to lead me well. If every time I am unhealthy or average, I'm barking at him every time he tries to step into his healthy five space. Right. Um, And just to clarify what you're referring to is on the flip side, the five, when they're integrating, when they're healthy, they go to an eight. Yes. So, okay. So that makes sense. I can see that. I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, I can see how that would be tough. Uh huh. But I will say he is very patient. He is very kind. Um, he is quick to apologize and really, um, really is a very understanding husband. And yeah. I think in a lot of ways, again, I think um, it feels uh, insensitive to say in the current climate of what's happening in America. But prior to this week, I would have said it's difficult to be a woman who's an eight in the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. Um, especially in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a husband who goes to bat for me often and fights for me to have opportunity often. And right. will be the first to say, my wife deserves a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a female eight, that's incredibly healing mm-hmm. um for me to not have to fight for that all the time but right. know that i am married to someone who is willing to do that on my behalf not because i feel like i need him to or um because i think that it's easier for him to i think both of those things r- like ring true but that's just like truly like his heart for me and for women is for us to have equal opportunity. Um, So I feel very lucky to have that in him. Yeah, no, that's good. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I did want to ask you, when I did the two episode, um, I spoke with Josh Green, who um, he and his friend do just my Enneotype. And Mm -hmm. we talked about twos and eights in that um, regard that for a two male, sometimes it can be tough because people Mm -hmm look at the two, the typical qualities of being very nurturing and more typical of a woman. And then for an eight, um, it's the, it's the other way around and people Mm -hmm. can be more accepting of the qualities of an eight when it's a male, but not Mm -hmm. so much when it's a female. Um, And so I did want to ask you how you um, have handled that or if you, if it's been difficult for you ever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's been difficult my whole life, to be honest. Um, I am it's funny, every, um, Justin and I have spoken on a couple like panels, narrative style panels, and every time there's an eight there, it's a guy who is six, four, <laughs> 200 pounds, big, like big, like, I mean, they were a Navy SEAL, they were in the Marines, they were like very like, and I'm like, I don't feel more understood than I do when I'm around those people. I look mm-hmm. nothing like them. I have experience, nothing like they do. I have not been in the armed forces at all. Um, I am not like CrossFit strong. Like I, I think a lot of the things that um, 
there's always like some sort of very aggressive workout attached to an eight. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't work out at all. I hate working out. Um, but there's this part of me that like deeply desires for that to be like innate in me. Yeah. And I think that um, like truly my whole life, I have heard you are too much, you are too loud, you are too this, you are too that. Right. Um, and I have been told that I don't know how to love people. I just know how to get stuff done mm -hmm. um, by someone in ministry who was a supervisor. And that, I mean, I, that happened five years ago and I still like, ex I still operate out of that at times yeah. and not even realize it. Yeah. Um, I feel this constant need to prove that the way that I care is just as good as the way that other people care, even though it looks different. Mm -hmm. um, I often find that I have to water down the way that I feel when posting on social media right. um, because it's received wrong. Um, and I have had conversations about some of the things that I posted on social media before because it came off too strong. It came off too angry after being catcalled, um, in a way that felt threatening. Yeah. Um, and I had shown the same video to girlfriends of mine and they didn't feel that way, but three white men felt that what I had had to say was too angry. Right. Um, and it misrepresented um, myself and potentially the organization that I work for. Yeah. Um, and none of those men came to me. They all went to my supervisor. Um, and I think that that's the other side of it that feels hard is that um, anytime I get angry, I get called emotional or mm -hmm. frustrated or um, upset. I rarely cry um, in professional situations because I'm sad, it's almost always because I'm angry or frustrated. Right. But then I worry that I'm missing out on opportunity because I'm seen just as an emotional woman who can't handle hard conversations or who can't handle strong feedback or who insert whatever else. Um, right. I currently report to a male eight oh. and <laughs> it has been the best supervisor I've ever had. Yeah. Um, he knows how to challenge me in ways that I am receptive to, mm -hmm. um, but also knows how to encourage me in ways that um, I had almost always reported to male twos before that, Okay. Um, which was an interesting dynamic where I really truly never felt like I was going to reach the level of caring that they expected me to reach right. and that um, I just was always going to be too much and too harsh. Mm -hmm. And that's not language that they used there, but um, one supervisor specifically is a much better friend than they were a boss to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's the, um, Justin says all the time when we talk about the Enneagram, um, what we praise male eights in America for, we call women the B word for. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. And it doesn't even have to be the explicative one. It's bossy, like bossy is just as negatively connotated um, that I just have, I'm an older sibling too, so I don't think that that helps either. <laughs> right. um, and I, I think that, um, it's still, Justin says that um, 
my job sees my wings and he sees my um, true eight. Yeah. And that's hard because um, I think that that's just like professionalism almost at its core is that like, well, I'm not going to yell at one of the people that I work with, but then if I feel that way, like, why would I yell at my husband, you know? (laughs) Um, But I think that there is this part of me that feels that I don't feel comfortable fully being myself um, because like, are people going to want to stick around? Um, As simply as like, I'm so competitive that for years of my life, I only play board games with people that (laughs) share blood with me because (laughs) I would have lost the relationships like that. I'm just so like, I was the sore winner and a sore loser. Like I just was like too much all around and it took a lot of learning. And I think that that's the thing that feels kind of hard is that I feel like, am I ever going to get to this place where I'm not having to change and adapt and learn for the sake of other people? Um, And we are dear friends with, a couple who have a five-year-old who I swear to you is an eight. (laughs) It's a a little girl and she's fiery and she is bossy and she is all of these like incredible things that I love to watch, but also like very, um, like feels very triggering sometimes, Mm. especially because I'm not her parent. So it's not Mm -hmm. my like responsibility to discipline her. Um, but also I'm like, there are parts of me where one time she was basically like running the Play-Doh table at her younger brother's birthday party (laughs) and really frustrated at the other kids for not putting it back the right way and this, that, and the other and bossing them around. And there's this part of me that wants to tell her like, Hey, if you learn this young, maybe you'll have a better chance at having friends than I did that people don't want to be bossed around like that. But at the same time, there's this part of me that's like, but why, like, why should she have to like lessen herself, make herself smaller on behalf of what's comfortable for other people. Um, And so that's a real tension that I feel as an adult is, well, why do I have to, but then it's like, but then I have better relationships, you know, like people Mm -hmm. want to be my friend. People want to hang out with me. If I'm just like, you know, a jerk all the time, (laughs) no one wants to be my friend, which I think is any number, right? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like as an eight, sometimes like the cards are stacked against me when it comes to that. Yeah. Well, no. And I think it's everything that you said is so helpful because, you know, primarily the Enneagram is a self-awareness tool. But I love that it also works the other way around. And once people have an understanding, it gives such grace and compassion in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know particularly with eights in my life, when I was able to filter my relationship through the Enneagram, once I understood more, I learned that I I have a little bit softer skin. And so I would take things personally instead Mm -hmm. of realizing their intention is not to hurt me. They're not Mm -hmm. upset with me. You know, they're just passionate about what they're talking about or whatever the, the, the situation was and actually be able to step up and use my voice more because I know eights appreciate a good debate. They appreciate others to be honest mm-hmm. and, and straightforward. And so when I can do that, it actually is fun, but we have to be able to understand where the other person is coming from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that what you said and everything you said, if that's why I'm so passionate about getting this tool out there. Uh, especially in Spanish, because there's just not a lot available, is so that other people can 
um, know how to relate to others better mm -hmm. and not take things personally. I think just experiencing it in my life and my marriage with my children and my friendships and my immediate family, um, how it's enriched our relationships yeah. because you just take a step back and you understand where the person's coming from, even though you may not agree mm -hmm. or you can't really, like I, a lot of times with my husband, I don't understand it. I don't mm -hmm. understand why he sees it like he does, but I know that he sees it like he does. Yeah. And so exactly. that's the first step. Then I can mm -hmm. step back and say, okay, we just see this differently. We're going to be able to get through this. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so it's so good to understand those things, and I and I think for I don't know if you've ever read the book um, Self to Lose, Self to Find. Mm -mm. It's a good one. It's by Marilyn Vansill, and um, so it's a good book that shows a really good uh, Christian perspective of the Enneagram. But it okay. talks about the concept of the authentic self versus the adapted self, mm -hmm. and it talks a lot about how every type has a virtue and how every type shows characteristics of God and all those things. And I think. If people can realize that, that, mm -hmm. that God made the eight, the healthy version of the eight, the way he did for a reason, and yeah. only the eight is going to be able to accomplish certain things that this world mm -hmm. needs. Um, and you need to raise your voice to get some of those things accomplished. And you need mm -hmm. to plow forward when others mm -hmm. won't. Yeah. And so how we can realize that that's your role to play mm -hmm. and we can complain about it and fight it, or we can just let the eight be the eight and yeah. play that role and not feel less when mm -hmm. we're beside them or feel like we're being um, stepped on. We need to be confident in what our authentic self is and who God's mm -hmm. made us to be and let mm -hmm. the eight be who God's uh, allowed them to be. Obviously when they're healthy, you know, yeah. Yeah. but um, I think that's so important. So thank you for sharing that stuff. Yeah. Um, you may have already mentioned it, but tell us um, what your favorite thing is about being an eight. I really do. Like you, you said at the beginning that there's this like invincibility to an eight. Uh -huh. I truly feel like nothing could stop me. Mm. Like in like, a, um, and I don't always feel that way, but like, I'm the type of person that I'm like, if I really wanted to win that person over, I could do it. You know, yeah. like there's this like tenacity I think that I have. And I think that, um, in a lot of ways, most of my friends that are eights or people that I know that are eights have experienced pretty severe trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, molested at a young age. Mm -hmm. I am the adult child of an alcoholic. Um, mm -hmm. I was sexually assaulted as an adult. And so I think that there's this yeah. like, um, and that's like I, a lot of eights that I know grew up with alcoholic parents or experienced um like abuse or um sexual assault at a young age that they kind of were forced to be tenacious um but i truly think that like it's one of the most like magnificent things to see when you look at an eight who thinks that they're end of they're at the end of their rope and they can still push through okay. um one of my dear friends is a black woman in America from South Africa that works with me. Um, and I have seen her over the past week reach the end of her rope over and over and over again as a voice on behalf of our church speaking out against racial injustice, staying up 
for experiences that are ending at midnight wow. after a day where she has done four prior. Um, and then on Monday morning, stepping into staff meetings where she's teaching our staff about what it is to be a black woman in America. And then Tuesday speaking about the same thing and to watch her at the end of her rope and truly know that she is, but being able to put the greater good of her coworkers um, who need to learn and her black friends and black family that need an ally and a representative yeah. um, to put that at the forefront and be able to say, I don't care that I only got three hours of sleep over the past two days. Like this is important and people need to hear it. Right. Um, I think that that's something that, I don't know many other numbers can do the way that an eight can do. And I think that that's that like, um, the willingness to do the thing past the thing that right. many people don't see, um, to get to the really like big movement making global impact, bringing change, yeah. um, that really eights feel innately. There is this like, I need to make an impact that I feel in a way that um, Justin doesn't necessarily feel the same way that I do. Right. And I think that to watch that in an eight, if you get to experience that, if you're in relationship with an eight or um, your friends with an eight, paying attention to this, the moments in their life where they are communicating to you that they're at the end of their rope and then mm -hmm. they find a way to continue to go yeah. um, is really, I think, just a, a beautiful picture of what an eight is capable of. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. No, and I'm thankful for the eights that you guys can do that because I know it's not always easy, but you have that capability to do that. And I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so you've also mentioned some things that you don't like so much. Can you pinpoint what might be your biggest struggle being an eight? I truly don't like how instinctual it feels to quickly yell at my husband. Um, I think that that is something that I do actively try to not do yet. Mm -hmm. I, it's still there. Yeah. Um, and I really struggle with apologizing Mm. Um, because for me, it's one of those, like, if I don't feel it, I don't want to say it. I right. like I'm really big on like, I don't want to just like say, I'm sorry all the time. And it not acted like not actually change like the pattern, the behavior yeah. isn't changing. So because I feel that strongly about that, I tend to, um, not quickly apologize. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would benefit my husband and my relationship with him if I was slower to anger, but also quicker to apologize and admit yeah. that I had gotten angry. Um, and I think a lot of times there's that like fear of, well, if I, if I admit to my anger, then what I'm feeling won't matter. And I think that that's the thing that's hard is that um, oftentimes I feel like I'm, what I'm trying to express isn't heard because we're always just talking about the way that I expressed it. Right. And I had a therapist who is an Enneagram coach as well. Tell me one time she said, Tori, 
I'm not going to tell you that you don't have to yell, but what I will tell you is that you're always going to be talking about the yelling if you continue to yell. Right. You're never really going to get to what you're upset about because it's always going to be about the yelling. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was really helpful for me. And I think that I wish that it was more inherent for me to be able to stop quicker. Yeah. Um, I also think too, um, I really struggle with self-discipline. I think it's that self-forgetting thing mm-hmm. where like, I really wish that it was easy for me to just drink water. You know, <laughs> like I, Justin and I were talking about that the other day and I was like, honestly, this sounds so silly. Like, I know that you can teach yourself to be disciplined, but there are those people that I know that just like know that they need to eat healthy and go to the gym and drink water and wake up earlier and go to bed when they should go to bed. And I'm just not one of those people. I think <laughs> like probably the excess side of being an eight, and I'm not going to paint all eights into that category because I have a friend who loves to work out and like does it all the time. Who's an eight. Right. Um, <laughs> But for me, it's that, like, it's the stubbornness that I have when I want to do something and the cards are stacked against me is very quickly applied to if I don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. And I don't love that about myself. I don't Mm -hmm. love that, like, if I don't want to do it, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, like, really, no one, including myself, can change my mind. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, is not super becoming about being an eight. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, no, that's good. Thank you for being vulnerable with that because, um, I think those are some of the things that most help others when they're listening to someone of their type and they can hear someone mm-hmm. be, be vulnerable and truthful and really get down to, what needs to be changed. So, um, so in kind of along those lines, I like to ask, um, each person at the end, um, what is something, it can be one thing or or more, but that you need from those that are closest to you, whether it's Justin or your closest friends, um, to help you be your healthiest version. One of the things that is really helpful for me is reminding me that the way that I was created isn't too much. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually the thing that made me realize that I loved my husband was an opportunity that he had to speak into the fact that he felt like I was not too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes I feel that um, my feelings are too much so hear them because they're too loud or too aggressive um or that my needs are too much because I have high standards because I hold myself to high standards or that my expectation or um I think a lot of times I just feel like man am I really asking too much um or am I really too much for people and I think that the times where I've gotten angry and my friends have allowed me to get angry. And then it's like, I think the way that, um, like, I really feel like my anger is like a flash in a pan. Like I'm angry. And then literally the next second, I'm like, okay, so where are we going to dinner? Right. Um, (laughs) And I think that if you are friends with Nate and you can just hang out just 30 seconds after the anger, pretty quickly they can get to a place where 
they feel vulnerable enough to be able to open up but most of the time people aren't willing to stick around those 30 seconds and it just reinforces that narrative of I'm too much I have to be strong I can't be vulnerable and so when you can be there for an eight be there for them and remind them that even if what they shared was heavy and hard and overwhelming for you, if you can just affirm them after a vulnerable moment that they're not too much, um, that helps rewrite that narrative for them. And that is what helps them be able to access that quicker um, in the future. Right, right. Wow, that's really good. Now, thank you for sharing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate all that you've shared. I, I love how we're wrapping up. I was, when I heard that you were an eight, I was happy because I was hoping to get a female eight because I just, mm-hmm. I want others to be able to hear what it's like for you and mm-hmm. be able to understand that more. Um, so I think this will be very helpful to others. And before we close, can you tell us a little bit more about um, what you guys do with Social Enneagram? I know you've taken kind of a break since you Mm -hmm. became a mom, which is Mm -hmm. much needed sometimes. Um, But can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then um, Justin shared last time how people can find you, but anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, So Social Enneagram is a platform that we created to um, really dive deeper into the Enneagram on a platform like Instagram. I think a lot of times what you'll see is a lot of like stereotypes, memes, jokes about Enneagram numbers. And I think that that's helpful, um, especially when you're familiar with the Enneagram. But I think that we wanted to create a space for people who are really wanting to learn more to be able to do it in a platform that they're already on. Um, We also offer introductory and advanced level classes through um, a local company here in Charlotte called Skillpop. They are doing Skillpop anywhere. So no matter where you are in the country, you can hop in and take one of our intro classes. We really love teaching those. And then, um, like you said, we haven't been active in over a year, but all of our, all of our, um, content is still up. It's still something that um, I would encourage you to get into the comment section. That was our favorite part about our platform um, is really the community that it created where people were honest in the comments. Um, And so I would encourage you to look there um, and follow along. That's great. Yeah, you guys have got some great content. And I agree. I, um, I actually have like I don't know if it's my oneness in me, but I have people ask me for, for memes and stuff and I just, I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I actually am going to do for the first time a, um, just a post, not even a series, but just a post listing some like jobs and stuff. Cause I get so many questions for, uh-huh. for job stuff. But my first comment that's going to be in the, in the comment section is this is just for fun. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, yep. I'm not putting you in a box because that's the last thing I want to do. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's great. You guys have got some good stuff on there. So thanks for for doing that. And Mm -hmm. thank you again for for being on this and for... Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully when we are in um, Charlotte again, we've been there a couple of times, but we'll look for you guys. Yes. We always try to stop by and um, the church there. And so we would definitely love to see you guys in person. So thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
To get to know today's guest even more, you will find links to their personal accounts in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to the Discover Freedom podcast. Continue to learn more about the Enneagram by following along on Instagram at Enneagram underscore Discover Freedom. You can also find me online at www.mistyescobar.net to learn more about the coaching services that I offer. This is Misty Escobar, and I hope you'll connect with me again next week as we hear from another Enneatype.